welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, it's good to have everybody with us and watching online. And I just want to let you know that we are going to start a two-part series today uh, with Culture Clash. You know, I did one sermon earlier this year, and then I said we'll take a break, and then we'll come back to it as we go throughout the year. And uh, I'm going to do two weeks here uh, for this. And I, I just want to say a couple things about Culture Clash. First of all, um, the culture class that we're facing right now that as we look at the landscape of what's going on around us, uh, we've got to realize that it's spiritual. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just like, is this culture better than that? Like, there is a spiritual dynamic that is going on, and we think it's left versus right, progressive versus conservative. No, it's being implemented there. It's being lived out there. It's being voted there. Okay, that's very real that that's happening there. But go higher than that. There's something spiritual going on. There's a spiritual dynamic that is happening that is a culture clash. And uh, I just got to say this, without revival, um, without revival, I just, it's not going to get better, all right? Without revival, it's not like if you elect the right person, all of a sudden it's going to get better. Now, it may hold it off. I was telling my kids earlier, I said, I feel like one party's going over the cliff with their foot on the gas and the other party's going over the cliff with their foot on the gas and the brake. You know, that's how it feels like. It's like, you know, all right, that's just, it. so it's not going to get better without revival, all right, and, and if we don't have it get better, we've got to realize it's, it's a spiritual thing that's going on. And it's been accelerating so fast. It just feels like, um, even when we talk to our missionaries, they're like, what happened? I left four years ago, what happened? They come back, they're like, what happened? Just like, what is going on? Because it's accelerating so fast. And I think what is happening in this spiritual dynamic is uh, explained in Romans 1.28. It's a historical thing that's said here that God had done this before, and I see it happening today. It's saying, furthermore, just as they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And some translations say a reprobate mind. I feel like it's like God's like, you wanna go this way? You wanna go without me? You wanna just push me out of this and you wanna go this way? I'm gonna turn this over to a depraved mind. I'm gonna do this. And people are gonna start doing uh, things that, they, that don't make sense. How many times have you said in the last, you know, five, 10 years, you're like, make it make sense. Make it make sense to me. This doesn't make sense. Because a depraved mind, um, in the Greek, it means a non-functioning mind. It means a mind that would be illogical, irrational, insane, that it can't think honestly. Like, you're like, make it make sense to me that a child can't get a tattoo, but they can get transition, and if I disagree, you're going to take my kid away. Make that make sense. You're like, make it make sense that I have good credit, I get charged a higher rate, but if somebody has bad credit, they get charged a lower. Like, make it make sense. What are you doing here? Make it make sense that a mom who doesn't want her daughter in a locker room to be there with an, a, a, a fully unclothed male and she protests to the health club, she loses her membership. You're like, make that make sense. And even when you go to people, you're like, does this make logical sense? They're like, you bigot. And you're like, wait. I'm asking you a question, like, make it make sense. 
And it's because people are like being turned over, if you will, to a, a depraved mind. It's like uh, government leaders, you would think that they would say like, all right, we did Title IX and we worked so hard for women to have women's sports and, and we're gonna protect that. And they're like, no, you're terrible. You're like, make it make sense. It doesn't make sense because there's a spiritual dynamic that's going on. So I am, I am praying for revival. I have prayed for revival more than I've ever prayed. God, could there be revival again? Could there be revival? And could you uh, wake up your church? Could you wake up what's going on? And could there be a, a coming to Jesus? So I've been praying for revival, but I'm prepared for it to get worse. And I just wanna say this right now, we can't all move to Florida, all right? We can't, all right. I mean, I get an email every week, like start a campus in Florida, move River Valley to Florida. I can't do that, all right? God has you right where he wants you. I have to remind myself of that, and you need to hear this. If you're in Canada, he has you where he wants you. If you're in Minnesota, he has you where he wants you. Germany, New York City, do you understand? Uh, we are on mission for God, and I'll never forget, one of our favorite missionaries shared this story with me. He and his wife and his three, four daughters, four daughters were in Afghanistan, and they were ministering for the Lord there, and the U.S. military knocked on his door, and they said, there's Al-Qaeda chatter going on right now. The war was going on. They said, they're coming to kill you, and we're here to take you away. And he said, I prayed this morning, God said, stay. And God said, this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm staying. And the military said, we can't come back and save you. This is it. And he's like, I prayed this morning, God told me I'm in the right spot, I'm staying. And he stayed and God protected him. And I'm just saying, God, may we have that same resolve. Like, God, I prayed, this is where you have me, this is where you want me, and I'm gonna be here. Now, um, as we move forward in this, you, we're gonna have to live this out so strong, Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So the first part of that is there's no pretend church, okay? Love must be sincere. Like we have to start living out our faith and our values stronger than we've ever done it before if we're gonna live in this culture clash moment that's going on. We're gonna have to hate what is evil, and that word there means to like, to regard with horror. Some translations say abhor, like regard it with horror and cling to what is good. And I love what William Barclay said in his commentary. He said, no virtue is safe, which is not passionate. And so I'm saying like, we're gonna love God stronger, more passionate. If you think our worship was like spirit-filled before, it's gonna be more spirit-filled, all right? If you think that we just love God and we're bold, we're gonna be more bold than we've ever been. We're gonna hold on, we're gonna abhor what is evil and we're gonna cling, we're gonna grab hold of that which is good in this time. We're gonna overcome evil with good. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only love can do that. So we're not gonna um, become mean or evil or go Italian mafia, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's not what's gonna happen. I mean, there are times I'm like, oh, I get so enraged. And then God's like, all right, that's, that's, that needs to die, like right there, you know, like I love your passion for that, but you're not gonna hit anybody. You're not, you're not gonna do that, all right? Um, and Nietzsche, Nietzsche said this, uh, beware that when fighting monsters, you yourself do not become a monster. Um, so we're gonna watch that. And then the other thing I wanna say in this whole culture clash, God is still on the throne, all right? He's not missing in action. You know, it's not like, God, do you see what's going on around here? He sees it. He sees it, and he's looking at his church saying, will you live out what I've asked you to live out? Will you make a difference? Will you be salt and light in a time when it's needed? 
or are you gonna hide your light under the bushel? Are you just gonna hide your faith or are you gonna be bold and say, yep, I believe this, this is it. So today I wanna look at um, how do we know good from evil? And then next week we're gonna talk about protecting our children from evil because things are being placed in front of our children that they should never see. They should never be a part of it and it's evil and we're calling it out for what it is um, and it's part of the steps in destruction of a civilization. Um, Camille Paglia, who is a lesbian and an atheist, so not a Christian, was writing about the fall of great society, saying, first they come after the children because that's the future. Then they come after the men because once the men are you know, incapacitated, they can't stop what's happening. And then there's androgyny in a culture when it, when it starts to collapse because there's a confused sexuality. So it's kids men, and then androgyny, just a confusion that's going on. And our kids are not meant to have the evil placed before them that is being placed before them. And I'm gonna talk about that next week. So today, um, I can't cover every culture clash topic. You've been sending me emails, thank you very much, and books, I'm trying to read them, all right? Uh, I got them, all right? Some of you cheered me on, and I do appreciate that, I really do. Um, but this is an overarching thing that will help us for all the culture clash that we're facing. How do we know good from evil? How are we gonna know good from evil? And so the Bible is really clear, and it just jumped off the page to me when I was doing my devotion time um, in Hebrews 5.14. It says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, all right? So it's right there, and so I wanna get there, and I wanna talk about this how do we distinguish and how do we have solid food and how do we get there so we can distinguish between good and evil? And some of you would love it if we had a list. You know, some of you are list people and rule followers and you're like, man, if you could just publish a list of this is good, this is evil, this is good. That, like, how many know as soon as we publish that list, somebody would have a small group saying, these are the edits I've made to the list, right? And other people would say, this is an exception to that and this is a thing. I mean. Think about this, even in the creation account that we have in Genesis, when God says, all right, I'm gonna put two things before you. There's two trees. There's two trees, which by the way, there are other creation accounts and some of them have trees. Uh, the creation that we have in the Bible is the only account with two trees, two trees. And God says, I'm placing before you uh, a tree of life and you can eat that one, that's a good one. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's the do not touch one, okay? How many know they just had one rule, one list. This is a yes and this is a no. And they're like, hmm, did God really say, right? You know, and next thing you know, they're breaking the list. So uh, if we made a list as a church, people would start to break it and this. So there's something that each of us needs to understand that this is not exclusive, that this is for us. And all there isn't, a, there isn't a t every topic and choice list, we have God's word. And in God's word, there's so much here. There's so much here. There are clear commands. There are directives. There are principles. There are things that we guide our life on. And we live our life by the word of God. Now, some people say like, all right, if we're gonna try to know what's good and evil, I, maybe they don't wanna do what the Bible says and devour the word and get to the word and see what it says. They will say like, well, I'll just trust my heart. You hear that a lot today. Well, I don't feel that. I feel this. I feel, or in my heart, I feel this is right. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? Like it says that our heart, our desire, our, what's going on inside here, our feelings 
our feelings are bent in a way. Matter of fact, Martin Luther said that our human nature is curved in on itself. Martin Luther said it, it's curved in. It's like, it just, it, it's selfish and it's curved in and it's, our human nature is so wicked, so uh, curvedly and so viciously, it seeks its own good. It even uses God for our own good if we don't stay lined up with the word of God. So we can't trust our own heart. We can't trust our own feelings. Um, you know, if you like, do what feels good to you, do what feels, how many know if we just do what feels good to you, it's chaos ensuing. And it's everyone does what's right in their own eyes and there's no standard. How are we gonna live this? Some people say, well, we could trust our government leaders. You know, they're elected and... <laughs> you're like, you're preaching to the wrong church on this one. People say it says in God we trust on our money, right? Yeah, right. No, I think we're actually living out something right now which is fascinating to me that I grew up and I'd read scriptures like this and I thought there's no way this could ever happen and then it's happening. Isaiah 5.20 says this, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And I'm watching this, I'm watching our government leaders say like, you're the bad person and they're the good person and you're evil and that's, and this is good. And, and so you're looking at this saying, well, we can't trust our heart, we can't trust our leaders. And, and incidentally, in chapter five of Isaiah, um, um, there are six woes that are there. Interesting, there's six woes and I won't go into a whole sermon on this, but I'll just point them out to you. In verse eight, there's the woe of greedy materialism. Isaiah calls out, you're buying all the houses and you're buying all this up and you're evicting people and you have it all to yourself. You're greedy, woe to you. Think about that. It just sounds like a little bit like today. And then there's, he calls them out in verse 11, the self-indulgent pleasures, getting drunk and wasted. And then in verse 18, he's talking, uh, there's a woe of intentional sin, that the people are intentionally sinning. And then there's the woe in verse 20, which is the reversal of good and evil going on in the society. Then in verse 21, there's the self-determination of good and evil that each person gets to call their own thing. And then in verses 22 and 23, it's self-indulgence and social injustice is going on. It just feels like we're living this out right now. So we're gonna get to Hebrews 5.14 because that's where we get it, that we're gonna understand good and evil by being mature and being able to read the word of God and know the word of God. And good and evil is a common subject all throughout. How many know movies, good and evil, TVs, good and evil, great novels, good and evil, good and evil. I mean, you know, and, and secular culture has always attempted to isolate and separate good and evil apart from the Bible, but you can't do it. Apart from the Bible, you cannot, there's, there's, the world would have a, a problem, like why is there evil if there is no God and why? So it makes sense with the Bible, it makes sense with God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying here, he says that milk and meat, he talks about this milk and meat of this, and there's a maturity um, going from milk to meat. All right, there's a maturity in, in understanding some things about God. And when you first give your uh, heart to Jesus Christ or your life to Jesus Christ, you say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And at our service, we give an opportunity. We'll do that again today even. Um, you don't understand it all, but you're like, I got it. And then you get the milk of like, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You're like, I got the milk. And then you get a little bit more and you start to study it. You start to grow in this and... Um, but it's, it's a common 
illustration that was used in that day of saying like, immature is, is, is drinking milk and mature is meat. And I gotta just share this for a second. Now, as a grandpa, I am so looking forward to Beckham sometime when I am babysitting our grandson, Beckham, and he's still gonna be on milk and how many know what's coming because I'm grandpa, right? And I'm gonna slip him some mashed potatoes and see how he does. And I can't wait to slip him a little whipped cream and watch his eyes light up like, why have you been hiding the good stuff? You know what I'm saying? Okay, but for now, it's just milk. And by the way, he's having some digestive issues. And if you could breathe up a little prayer for him, we'd appreciate that. That little guy's struggling, but we think we're getting it under, under control. But milk is for all Christians. When you're a new Christian, the, the simple things, the simple things of knowing what God's word has to say and then you move to meat. There's things that are tougher, that are deeper, that are chewier, that strengthen you more, that challenge you more, that change you. And I wanna share this about milk and meat because it's not elusive. Studying the word of God and digging in here, like Hebrews said, those people through constant use of going into the word of God, they have grown mature. And they've, they, they go in here, and by the way, it's self-feeding. It's not like you always have to have somebody cut your steak up into little bites. It's self-feeding that through constant use you do this. And I wanna let you know that it's not elusive, it's not special. You're like, well, I don't know what's good and I don't know what's evil, so we're gonna call the pastor. We're gonna call that, we always have to call the pastor or can I get Isabel's number? Pastor Rob, can I get your mom's number? You know, I got a question of good and evil, you know, all right. All right, that's not gonna happen, all right? It's not elusive, it's there, it's attainable to all. And I love it when people go into this and, and, and start to grow. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter three, he's correcting them. He's like, come on guys. He's actually chiding them like, come on, this is not elusive. It's attainable for everybody to get into the word of God. And he said, I had to feed you with milk not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. He's like, come on, this is attainable. Get in there, let's keep growing. Let's, let's, let's dig deeper than just the milk things. And I love it when, when people are digging in and they're growing in the Lord and all of a sudden it goes a little deeper and a little deeper. I'll never forget uh, a lady in our church, Hillary, still friends with her, but they moved away, her and her husband, Bob. She got saved. She, matter of fact, she met somebody in a park and she said, I was just wondering where this void in my life could be filled. And I was open to anybody. And somebody at a park invited me to church. And I came to River Valley Church. And she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She was so excited. And about two months later, she came to our small group with Becca and I. And she's like, I, boy, I really blew it the last couple of years. And I didn't know. She said, I started reading the Bible. And I didn't know. She said, when my husband was deployed, I thought I was being a good wife, sending him care packages full of pornography because I just thought I was being a good wife. And she goes, and now I'm reading about purity and all this. And she goes, oh, oh. she's like, what else don't I know? You know, and we're like, hey, I praise God that you're reading the word and the word of God is active and sharper and it's cutting in and it's changing you. Keep reading, keep growing, keep doing this. And she was like, I'm gonna. She's like, there must be a lot in there that I gotta get right. And we watched her just grow and grow and grow. But she honestly didn't know before that she got the milk of Jesus loves me. All of a sudden she starts looking at some meat of how to live out this life and live in purity and to be changed into the image of Christ. And she's like, 
I didn't know until the word of God, I read it and I chewed on it and I understood it and I started to apply it. It's not elusive. Every single one of us can have this. And, um, you know, you, you think about people like, you know, like, there's no excuse. It's for everybody. You know, there's no need like for you to say like, well, son, our family is milk drinkers and we, we never get to the meat, you know? We're just, we're just milk drinkers. Here's your bottle. You know, that's not what it is. It's for everyone, all right? So we're gonna, we're gonna have it that it's attainable for all. And when we start to understand the word of God and we start to read the word of God, like it says in Hebrews, through constant use and we start applying it to our life, we'll start to know good from evil. We'll start saying, wait a minute, this scripture says this. Ephesians talks about let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth except for things that are edifying. So that would mean I shouldn't swear. You'll start figuring it out. And you'll start saying, wait a minute. Jesus said, don't lust after one when you're in your heart. Hey, okay, wait a minute. You understand? And you start, the word of God starts getting in you and you start to grow in this. And so you'll get to know uh, good from evil, which the Bible talks about through constant use. And the constant use means it's a habit. It's a daily thing. It's an exercise. It's like an athlete that is training. It's ongoing. It's regular. And that's why I love at our church that we have the, the SOAP app, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. It's on our website. And we say, here's two chapters that you can read every day and that we'll, we'll pick them out. You'll go through the whole New Testament. You'll read Proverbs, you know, and you'll get a bunch of the Bible. It's like, it's like a diet plan. I don't know if you, you ever sign up for one of those um, meal plans where they bring it to your house, you know, and they, they bring and it's all prepared. And all you have to do is like put it in the pot, in the baggie and heat it up. And next thing you know, gourmet food. It's like, I, seriously, it's like, it's ready for you. The soap is right there. It's a gourmet meal. It's ready. You're like, I don't even know where to read. We've got it right there. And you say like, uh, so you can go to those chapters. So it's daily, it's there. And, and I want you to understand, you can get a Bible commentary to go along with it. You're like, well, I read this and I don't understand. You may not realize this. When I get to every book of the Bible, when we're reading our, our soap, scripture, observation, application, prayer, I go to the Bible Project uh, website and I, and I listen to the book overview. I just wanna see like the overview of where it's going. And so I'll take that seven to 14 minutes and kind of get the book overview before I go and read that. Why? Because I want to chew on this. I wanna get it in me. I wanna, I wanna chew on the word. I want the word to come alive. I wanna dig deep into this and understand what God's saying to me. And I, and I wanna just tell you about this to be careful um, with Google. Like people will say, well, I Googled it. You know, well, you might just, you know, go to the page that the Moonies put out or the, you know, some other group and next thing you know, it's false doctrine. So I'd encourage you to talk to a small group leader or one of the pastors, like what's a good commentary that I could get to go along or what's a good study Bible that will help me to understand this? Small groups, as you're, as you're going in the word of God, I love our small groups and we do small groups based on affinity groups where like, this is something we all love to do and you know, we'll do this together and we'll pray and we'll you know, uh, have that time together. But I love the small groups that dig into the word of God and that you know, I love what our promise principle does in reading the word of God and, and, and saying, I wanna be mature. I wanna take this in. But I do wanna give another caution on this. We need to be careful in small groups that study the word of God that we're not like, so what do you think that means? You know, no, 
it means something specifically, okay? It doesn't mean 10 different things. We can say, how do you think this applies to us? Or what do you think the true meaning of this? Or what was Paul trying to say to us? But it's not like, well, I think it means do whatever you want, you know? I remember one time I, I was in a small group, true story, in a small group, and uh, there was a lady there, and, and we read a passage, and we were talking about this. She goes, well, I don't think it says that. And she said something totally false, like wrong. And I was like, no, nope, no, nope, it actually doesn't mean that. It actually means this. It actually means, this is what was written here, and it means this. So that's, that's what it means. And <laughs> this is what she said to me. She goes, I'll take that under advisement. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Anything else? All right. You know, how do you answer that? All right. We have work to do. All right. Talk to Hillary. All right. Yeah. yeah she's, she's leading it. Uh, so another thing is we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 talks about the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Ephesians 4, 30 talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. There, there are things that you do knowing good and evil that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit, more than a conscience. It's not your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, there have been times that even when I've been teaching or uh, leading a meeting and all of a sudden I'll say something and maybe I was like, you know what, that was unfair to that person. And poof, it's like I grieved the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like, nope, that, that was hurtful to that person. You need to follow that prompt and, and talk to them and correct that. One of the things you need to do as parents is you need to develop that ability in your children to have that responsive heart. I talked about that way back in my first book, Change Before You Have To, of developing that responsive heart that listens to God speaking to you. And I know when my parents, when I was younger, they said, go into your room, pray, and see if you can go see that movie with your friends. And, and you know, I went and prayed, and I think I said to them, well, that's no fair. You know he's gonna say no, you know? And, <laughs> and he did, he did. I prayed, and God said no. And so I was developing my own responsive heart. You say, well, what happens if you have a child that doesn't do that? My other brother, uh, he went and prayed. <laughs> he went and prayed, and he's like, yeah, God's okay. And they're like, go pray again. <laughs> yeah. So you have to develop that responsive heart. Yeah. If we're going to mature, we're going to have to live out that we abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. We're going to have to live that out. We're going to take note of the things that the Bible says are good and do them and live them out. The Bible is full of things that tell you that are good that are good, you should do these things. I'll just, I could go on and on and on. It even says, think, these things are evil, these things are good. It, it, there's tons of verses in there that say that. For example, in Micah 6, 8, it says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's great. Right there is a great start. Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You say, these are, these are good. Like, all right, I'm gonna start doing these good things. There are good, it tells you what is good and what is evil. And so that's why we base our life and, and our our principles and our doctrine, it's based on the Bible. It's not just based on like, you know, well, we all kind of thought and we just had a good idea. No, we're, we're getting into the word of God. And it says the constant use. And so we're gonna learn what is good and what is evil by reading the Bible, by studying the Bible, by knowing the Bible, by memorizing the Bible. I love uh, so many verses that I learned when I was a kid were King James, you know? 
So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Nehemiah 4.6. You know, I've got the King James going in me, you know? Uh, but memorize it, however, get it in you. Get it in you. It's constant use. Malcolm Gladwell came out years ago in one of his books, and he talked about to get to expert level, it takes 10,000 hours in one activity to get to expert level. Now, if you and I were to try to get the expert level of getting into the meat of the word and getting into this through constant use, 10,000 hours, if you did 10 hours a week for 20 years, you would get to that level. 10 hours a week for 20 years. Many of you just go to church on Sunday or watch online. You're not part of a small group. You think so bad. That's for the leaders, you know, that's for the other people. No, we're trying to get you into constant use. We're saying these small groups are there, these core groups, Alpha, Freedom, Explore, all that, just all the different core, like we're saying these are there for you for constant use to get it in there. We're trying to help you to understand good and evil so maybe someday you're the person that the new person calls and says, I did not know that I couldn't do that. I did not know. And well, all right, the word of God is changing. The word of God is helping you to grow. When you, do the, when you do this, the word of God will change you. The word of God will cause you to grow and you will be able to discern good from evil. And you can even talk to your children if they're in that younger age, like, well, what does the Bible say? Let's look at what the Bible says about this. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about this and help them to grow and to mature through constant use. There was a saying, I don't know who's responsible for it, but it said, if you read your Bible, it'll keep you from sin. And if you don't read your Bible, you'll fall in it. It's like, you see what I'm saying? It's like, read your Bible, read your Bible, keep reading it, stay plugged in through constant use and saying, I desire this. In the culture clash that we're living in and the spiritual atmosphere that we're living in right now. There'll be more topics. Again, next week, I'm going right after it. I'm not gonna hold anything back. I really believe we have to protect our children. But you say, well, what about this? What about this? What does the word of God say? What is, is there a clear verse on it? Is there a directive? Is there a principle? Is there something there that we could see? Because through constant use of the word of God, we will get mature, we'll get into that meat, we will self-feed, and we'll be able to discern between good and evil. So that's what I'm praying for our church. It's time to get out the steak knife. It's time to say, I, I, 10,000 hours, what am I, I'm, I'm one hour a week, I'm just, I, I skip two out of three, I, I make up some, like no, 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 no. You're not a church attender. You're not a church attender. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are saved by Jesus. You're on mission for him. You're called to be an effective example in this world. And so it's time for us to dig in here. The mature, through constant use of the word, have learned how to determine good from evil. So Lord, I pray that right now. I pray that you would help us to understand that we have this word. It's a beautiful thing. We have the word of God and we can read it. We can understand it. We can memorize it. We can apply it. It, it changes our life. And so God, I pray that you would help us right now, Lord Jesus, to 
be mature in that way. In the culture clash that we're facing, God, I pray that you would help us to um, go to the word, go to the word, go to the word. And I just pray that in this time, we would shine forth as lights like you've called us to do. In this dark time, we would shine forth as lights. We would not shrink back, but we move forward with boldness. We would say, this is what we believe, and we're gonna do it for your glory and for your honor. So help us, Lord, to mature and know good from evil. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.